Oh, I suppose I should be hearing you right now. Are you hearing me right now? Let me, I'm going to hang up, see what I'm doing wrong, and probably call you back in a hot second here. Hot second. Crab shoot, 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 na 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 crab shoot. All right, the button's pressed. I'm retiring to my fainting couch. <laughs> ah, perfect. So you're just coming in. Hi. Hi. Hey, this is, so this is episode number 28 of the crapshoot with uh, unexpected co-host Jessamine. Hi. Hi. God damn it. I didn't get to look up anything about the number 28 because I don't even know what I'm doing talking to you. <laughs> What's this going on? Sort of sprung <laughs> upon you, and you're just, you were practically just walking in the door. Am I right? Well, like 20 minutes ago, I um i was in Massachusetts for the weekend. Um, hold on, I got to take a picture of me on this couch so that you actually can see. I will send this to you later. Um, if, if you give me permission, I'll put it on the site with the episode. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Uh, wait, I can text it to you right now. Isn't the future okay. kind of wonderful? <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, it's, we are, we're straddling a technological divide, I think. And so I, I think our generation gets to be, uh, amazed and terrified. And... Our generation. You're a child. <laughs> okay. We're not you're the right. same generation. Well, it's, uh, I wasn't even going to bring it up, but today's my birthday. So I'm a little <laughs> bit cl- I'm an inch closer to you. <laughs> That's so great. What are you doing talking to me? Um, I just, this is a wonderful present to me that you've made time to make this happen. Are you I, kidding? I, I We're going to talk on the phone every week now. Okay. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> that Josh, is great. Sorry. Anyone who tuned in for Josh, sorry. He'll, oh, you know, he's you in can Alabama like the other. whole summer. <laughs> that's true. Is he going to still do the Metafilter show? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's at least the plan. We just did the podcast last week and I guess next month. Yeah. I hope so. Who even knows? Maybe he falls in love with Alabama and he never goes back to Portland. That sounds pretty... Well... Have you ever been to Alabama? I haven't, no. It's off um, the hook! Alabama's amazing! (laughs) What's amazing about Alabama? I can't even imagine. Well, if you're somebody like me who works with people who are digitally divided or in rural poverty, (laughs) it's pretty much exactly (laughs) perfect. Um, But it's also like, you know, it's in the South. The food is amazing. It's got some coastline. It's like nothing else. Um, the Walker Evans and James Agee book, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, took place there. Uh, so for a lot of what people know about sort of sharecropping and like the way uh, mm. sort of post-reconstruction infrastructure was used to like fuck people, like Alabama mm. is that place. <laughs> and, you know, there's a ton of civil rights history that's super interesting. And it's just beautiful. Right. It's super beautiful. Well, uh, maybe I'll just go there and record the show with Josh in person. There you know, that is a on. really good idea. <laughs> if he's there for a while, maybe a visit might be in order. Yeah, I think he's there all summer. So wait, how old are you? I am 34 today. Congratulations. Thanks. I, suspo- I suspect you're probably better traveled than me in general. So like you have a better context for... I know nothing about you. Where are you from? So I was born in Northern California, and I moved to Portland, Oregon about 10 years ago. Northern California, like Bay Area, or Northern California, like Wairica? It's right in between. So if you go uh, up 101, I am in Mendocino County, Ukiah, California. Oh, okay. Born and raised. I think I took a Greyhound bus through there. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people who I tell about Ukiah, they say, oh, I got pulled over there once. Oh, God. (laughs) 
it's a kind of a blink and you miss it, but it's a, actually a pretty nice little sweet little town that could not great for a 20 something who wants to go see a band every week. Oh God, you know? I bet it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so how big is, how big is it? How big is Ukiah? Like medium, oh God, I, I mean, small I sh- for California, but. Uh, let me, th- if, if I have no context for this, but you I grew I'm, up I'm gonna there. Say, you don't know how many people live there. 27,000 people. And, but I'm going to look it up at the same time to see if I'm an order of magnitude off in one direction or the other. You probably know if it was 2,700 people, wouldn't you? No, 27,000. Well, that's what, order of magnitude, son. Oh, right, 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 right. 16,000. That's close. Not an order of magnitude off. That's good. <laughs> no, 30%. Off by 30%. That's, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, I guess when I say I don't have any context, it's just that this law of large numbers thing that happens to me. Like if I have more than a hundred dollars in my bank account, I just kind of act like I don't have a limit on the number of dollars that I have because I just don't understand big numbers. You're one of those like one, three, many guys. Yeah, exactly. Don't you don't you work with computers for a job? Don't computers handle your numbers for you? They do really, really too well. (laughs) It's one of many, many areas where my uh, development was stunted by the (laughs) omnipresence of computers to do all the thinking for me. This is why you and Josh get along so well. I'm suddenly understanding it. Not that I didn't understand why you would like each other because you're both swell dudes. But yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's awesome. But so then you came up the coast of Portland and like, where else have you been? Uh, I haven't really lived anywhere else. I've um, been up and down the coast. You know, obviously I've spent time in Washington and Southern California. I have flown to North Carolina to see family a couple times in my life. And me and my partner, Whitney, spent uh, a week in a half-ish between uh, D.C. and New York. And that's more or less it. I've never gone across the pond. where's Whitney from? Whitney is right here from, uh, not Portland proper, but... um, Beaverton? She's from Beaverton? (laughs) No. um, You don't know where she's from? I know where she's from, and it's just failing me right now. Sorry, you can cut this out and close. (laughs) 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 This is one of me and Josh's big arguments about the show, is that he's a pure, a strict no editor. Oh, yeah, we love to fuck with him in that, in the Metafilter (laughs) podcast, because we like, oh, that asshole, and then, like, name some user, and he's the only one that still works there. So he's like, you guys? And Matt and I are like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, he really... One of my very, very favorite, in fact, probably my very favorite dynamic on the Metafilter podcast, and the number one... One thing I love to hear is when Josh goes out on a way geek tangent <laughs> and you are like totally like digging it and and loving learning about it and asking really good questions, but also giving him a super hard time the whole time. <laughs> we are family. Yeah, <laughs> it just melts me. I just love it because you're. I, I, <laughs> if he just go, does a deep dive on a roguelike thing and I'm sure like you and Matt are just like, all right, check your watch now because he's just started talking about but a like, new roguelike. So, I mean, that's sort of my thing is like I love people who are, have something they're really into like no matter what the hell it is you know yeah. like Josh could be really into curling and I'd be that I mean I'd be like oh here he goes on his <laughs> curling thing again but also really into it because people who are enthusiastic and excited about things especially things that aren't I guess what you'd call the usual things are sure. fascinating to listen to. Like you can listen to sort of anybody talk about whatever politics, the administration, sports, uh, Game of Thrones, whatever the stuff is. And not that I don't like listening to that stuff, but it's not as hard to find a person who's willing to opine on that. 
but like right. something that's a little more esoteric. Like I just hung out with a friend of my partner's this weekend, which is part of what we were doing in Massachusetts. There was like a christening and then uh, uh, him and his friend came to down to stay at my dad's house and, and she got me a hula hoop, like hula hoop, what? But, <laughs> but she's super into it. <laughs> like she's a librarian yeah. in Orange County, uh, New Jersey. And I live in Orange County, Vermont, so that's hilarious. And you know Orange County from California, which is some other total crazy thing. Yeah. But, like, hula hooping is, like, her hobby. And, like, getting other people interested in it. Like, she's like, I think we're going to have this library program where we do, like, a get healthy in the park thing. And I'm going to bring hula hoops and everyone's going to (laughs) learn. And she talks about it and she's just super enthusiastic. So, like, forget whatever you knew about hula hooping. Like, Carla, (laughs) Carla makes it hers and makes it interesting. And now I have one and I'm excited to go back and play with it. You haven't broken it in yet? Well, I just got it. Yes, today. Today was the day I found out it was mine. Yesterday was the first day that I actually messed with it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like, it's impossible. I mean, I, I'm not a guy who will like go out and watch a sporting event on my own, but if I'm sitting next to a person who is really, really amped on it, it doesn't yeah. matter what the team or sport or whatever is. I'm, I'm just as amped because it's so like you can feed off that energy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't, I don't like to be sort of a snooty, like blah, blah, sports ball, blah, blah, snotty person about it but i really don't give a shit like (laughs) but if somebody else is into the sport and they're like oh yes this guy did the blah 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 and then there was that one time back in aught six when he and i'm like tell me more because it's trivia you know like people's interesting trivia and the fact that they're excited and interesting about it like whatever the heck it is don't even care it's interested yeah, we're going to go see the Red Sox this summer. I haven't seen a Red Sox game in, <laughs> since college. And that was like one time I saw the Red Sox and like that was it. Never been to another baseball game. Why would you? They're expensive and watching millionaires run around isn't that fun. From a pretty far distance, too. Yeah, that's another part of it. Yeah. Little blips on a, on a little dots on a field kind of. From, I mean, I, I went, it's, it's been I was not even a teenager when I last went to a baseball game and I've only been to one or two in my life. But I, I just remember them just being like watching an ant farm. Well, we we go to minor league games occasionally. We mm. see the Paw Sox who are like, <laughs> you know, the a feeder team to the Red Sox. I don't even understand the terminology. Like <laughs> I, they give them their guys. It's a triple A minor ball bit, mini league. I, what the hell? Um but then you can actually not only like see the players, but they do like things in between the innings that kids can participate in, you know? So like they'll, they'll, they'll have like kid races around the infield and stuff like that. Cause it's tiny. It's just a tiny sporting <laughs> event. And it costs like $6. <laughs> so yeah, minor league, super fun. And one of the guys that we saw play minor league two years ago got called up to the Red Sox. I can't remember his name because I'm always like Jackie Joyner Kersey, but she was a runner in the Olympics. But it's like it's like Jimmy James Johnson Jr. or Jackie Bradley. Jackie Bradley Jr., maybe. Does that make sense? Jackie Bradley Jr. as a name is pretty amazing. Yeah, I thought so. And I think maybe he was on the... Re- oh, this is... Do you get, like, callers <laughs> or like, <laughs> commenters who are like, dude, shut that lady up. She doesn't know anything about sports and she's making me angry. <laughs> no, maybe we can solicit more comments because we don't we don't have a super engaged listenership yet, unfortunately. Do you have a listenership at all is a question. I guess <laughs> it's, uh, it's somewhere within an order of magnitude of 27,000 or maybe a couple <laughs> orders of magnitude. Okay, so that's 2.727. 
is probably a safe estimate. So tell me about this podcast. You're at 28, which is a a fair amount of podcasts. Do you do it every week, every month? I am not a listener. Maybe you can tell, but... I'm going to talk about sports for one more second. The problem with watching sports with me is that I'm so like... Like, I don't know shit at all about the rules. When you seem to have a problem with numbers, which would make it kind of complicated. Well, (laughs) when you watch them on TV, they they helpfully display all the numbers at all times around the edge of the screen. Or you can have them on your phone just in case the TV goes to commercial and then you can refresh your memory on the numbers. You can ask Siri what the score is and she'll kind of contextually pick it up. Maybe that's one fucking thing she can do. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Nothing. She does nothing for me. She's like my 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 enemy maid. <laughs> my my problem is I always because I love to watch it with someone who really knows their shit and is really into it that I just insufferably ask constantly about minutia of the rules. No, that's what girls do. That's totally okay. And it's because it's fascinating to me because I'm like, well, why? I mean, if you get three points for shooting outside of that circle, then why isn't everybody always trying to shoot from the three point area of the basketball court? Because instead it's worth of, more points. Right. I know. I wonder the same thing. And it's like, it's OK. I know that if you're closer and you're more likely to make it. But are you are you really 50 percent more likely to make it? It seems like a team that just <laughs> drilled on. Th- I mean, and the person who I'm watching it with is just like, shut up. You are watching it with the wrong person is what that means. Because like women. Are, women are women are are socialized to like that's my job at the sports game yeah. to be like what is that guy doing again how does this does he wearing special shoes is that you know <laughs> <laughs> well the, that's funny because the worst i've ever done it to anybody was to a uh, friend of mine who she took me to a roller derby match she roller derby is confusing does roller derby but she wasn't like her team wasn't but she was skating on this day but she was visiting she got us into the to the match in portland and it was incredible and the see the vibe in the auditorium was amazing yeah and these incredibly athletic powerful amazing like athletes are are just blowing my mind but i i i mean i had watched five youtube videos before going there and that was 100 of my roller <laughs> derby education and they don't have like a little flyer that explains the rules because like every time i've seen it in new england there's a flyer that explains the rules that you you get when you go in i probably just dropped it in the garbage because i was like <laughs> i got this no problem plus i'm with a pro and right i mean my poor friend rachel is just sitting there answering the same questions over and over and over again because i'm so it's i'm so compelled but i sort of like never understand sure if it's close or is it when one team totally just killing the other or is the thing i'm excited about a thing i shouldn't i it, right. i was completely that befuddled. person's out in the front that's not the team you're rooting for <laughs> oh sorry because there's like like gestures and stuff that are happening you know you put your hands on your hips to end a jam and then uh, it's it's um right i, I got I, I mean i loved i really did love every minute of it the confusion didn't take away from the enjoyment but the confusion was ever present for sure right i felt like when i left roller derby i had amnesia because i still (laughs) couldn't tell you how the game was played like i felt like i kind of got it while i was there and then i walked out the door and i was like what did i just watch like if somebody had been like which team won i would have been like ah our team i think i'm pretty sure (laughs) you know was that girl on that team or that team no idea sorry (laughs) but it was fun Everybody did good. I left with, yeah, I left with nothing except my one favorite roller derby team name is Church of Skaten. Ooh. And that's about all I carried with me. Out I probably did sort of get it by the end, but then like you, it just feels, it, it just escaped me entirely now. Right. I looked at all my pictures and was like, these didn't come out at all. 
Um, you so were starting to ask about the podcast, yeah? Back to you. Yeah. So 28 podcasts, you do it how often? And it's always with Josh, historically. So the the idea was, Josh... Uh, Is this where you I, guys sit around and drink in the basement? Yeah. <laughs> it's, <that> okay. <laughs> it's the one time we have an excuse. Um, the... <laughs> It's it's funny because I you know I never I I so don't feel called to this type of work like hosting a show or like witty repartee or anything is so kind of outside my wheelhouse as a in, relatively introverted guy who's self conscious about his voice. You're self conscious about your voice. You've got a great voice. I'm the one that sounds like Chippy the Chipmunk. Um, no, no, no. I love listening to you guys talk on the Metafilter show. Um, so anyways, it's not, it's not cause this is something I was like, came up to like wanting to do, but it was something that felt like, I don't know, as someone who's really like geeks out on computers all the time, I was like, I don't, here's an area that I have no knowledge in, like yeah. recording audio, producing audio, setting up a website from which I can syndicate a podcast to iTunes. So it, it just seemed like a big blind spot. So as a, just a total experiment, I decided to try making a show about um, talking about movies with friends. Uh-huh. And uh, I had Josh on as a guest to the show and Josh picked up real quickly on this uh, personality trait I have is that I'm really, really like fetishistic almost about like releasing something to the world unless I've just polished and polished and polished and tweaked and tweaked and tweaked. Josh is and like that. In some ways, he, he totally is. In some ways, he's exactly the opposite where he do, he won't do anything and everything just sits in his basement. <laughs> yeah. He's not so, tweaking. He just is done with it. He saw how long it took the episode I had him guest on. He saw how long it took me to get it out. And he was like, well, is when does it come out? And I was like, well, it takes about 20 hours of editing for me to put one of these shows out. And he said, you are driving yourself insane going this far. So right. you and I are going to make a show where there's no format. We just are going to sit down, hit record, bullshit, hit stop, Aww. and upload it to the internet. And he's like, this is this is going to be like a therapy type of thing for you. <laughs> That's clever of him. Yeah, yeah. And and well, thus was the crapshoot sort of born. And uh, in the ensuing episodes, I've sort of, because <laughs> I can't help myself, I've sort of wrested control of it away from him. And now I do lightly edit every episode. <laughs> I finally just, my, my neurosis never went away quite enough. So, And you guys talk weekly monthly how often how long has this been going on well the reason i wrested control away from him is because it was coming out every one week to four months ish somewhere in that i'm realm. familiar with that problem with josh yeah. <laughs> and i and i thought you know we're actually like have a budding listenership we actually have people you know a little bit interacting with the show and i think it's just as someone who listens to a gazillion podcast myself, I know how that the rhythm of a podcast coming out is actually really helpful. Right. Hey, it comes out on Monday. It's a new right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to take our listenership for granted that we've sort of stumbled across here. So if you, you know, maybe I should be the whip cracker on the project and, you know, we can try and do it every two weeks. And so that was why it was sort of like, Josh, I know you're about to move, but I, I'm trying to hit every two weeks um is this something you're gonna have time for and he said no and i said well um i'm going outside the relationship then <laughs> <laughs> let me um, i'm gonna make a little uh marker and qu do a quick break i like to choose little uh josh songs as little interludes to break up the format a teeny bit so i'm gonna click stop and start again here 
Do you need a quick break or anything, or do you want to just start? No, right back I'm up on again? the I'm on the telephone couch. I can okay. stay here all day. I can stay here all day. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna just sit, stop and start, and we'll go again. Are you ready for an anecdote? From you? Yeah, I have one anecdote <laughs> in the chambers <laughs> for this show. <laughs> okay, what is this, like a writing prompt or something? No, this is just something that happened to me that All I just right. wanted to throw out. All right. So I, I have a, um, I, I talk to my mom on the phone every week. and after Mom's a, in California? She's in California, yeah. Right. Just got married. Congratulations. Hey, Mazel tov, Mom. Yes. And I want to talk to you about weddings, too, actually. But so I got off the phone with her. And then like the next night, I got a text message from her and she wrote and I have it here. She said, I forgot to tell you we were scammed. A phone call said unless I paid four thousand dollars in back taxes right now, the police would be at my house to arrest the me IRS in, scam in 45 minutes. Yeah. So low down. And I was like, that is just horror i mean i got i broke out in sweats i said oh my god that's awful did you call the police and she said we did and of course after the call we thought of everything we should have said and done and i said that's so awful i'm really really sorry and she said it's okay we didn't give them any information or money you're like mom that's what scammed me (laughs) next time please leave i was wondering how you were gonna wrap up this story because it's awful um so i said oh my god that's real you didn't lose my okay good and she said uh i realized it was a scam with the 45 minutes cop thing it would take him four hours if a bear was breaking in (laughs) (laughs) that is true good lord we have like we have ads in the paper uh, Mm. like telling people not to fall for the irs scam and and we have you know we barely have cops I mean, my town has cops, but like the next town just has a constable. (laughs) And, you know, the one time I did need to call the cops and like my creepy neighbor maybe is going to come over and be crummy. Like I had to be on the phone with them for 40 minutes while they arrived at my house because I lived that far out in the boondocks. Not where I live now, but where I lived before. (laughs) So if they told me the cops were going to be there in 45 minutes, I'd be like, super, time to bring a pizza. Super. I have a backlog of things to talk to them about. I need help lifting this heavy box. (laughs) I live alone on the side of the highway. Thank you. So your mom just got married. That's cool. Yeah, she did. Um, Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony in Lake County, California. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be a little part of it. I've performed six or seven Weddings, this is something you, me, and Josh all actually now have in common. I feel like we talked about that briefly at Josh's house when we met. Oh, uh, maybe. Or yeah. re-met? Met? Met. Well, I think it's the first time we really talked to each other. I bumped into you, I think, at the 10th anniversary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe Probably. one other time, but... Um, no, 10th yeah, anniversary, 10th anniversary kinda... I was in New Orleans. 
You weren't in New Orleans. No, it was the, what was the one at the, it was maybe ninth anniversary? At the video game arcade? The video game arcade, the ground control. Eighth? Seventh? I don't, oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> that's the one though. But then you also um, came over and we had a barbecue at Josh's one yes, time. Yes, that, that I so remember. Yeah, I'm sure we did talk about it. And you just recently did, uh, I just read your ceremony for um, Greg Nog and Toaster. Like a toaster. Like a toaster. Greg and Heather. It's killed it. You killed it on that. It, I just want to plunder not, it. Like, it just, I I was struggling for a long time about exactly what I wanted to do there. Because, like, I know Greg personally, like, we've actually hung out. And I know Heather, like, I've met her at meetups. And I know the two of them sort of through Metafilter. But I wanted to do something that was sort of appropriate to both of them. Like, because there's a lot of cases I know where there's a couple and, like, the guy's kind of an outspoken showboat and the woman's just someone who has, like, a cool job and is awesome, but is not as much of a showboat. And so you want to sort of honor both of them, but a lot of times people focus on the one that has kind of the most public stuff they know about. Yeah. You know, and I also wanted to focus on kind of what we all shared and... You know, I think those guys met. I mean, well, no, Greg said exactly how they met. Like they met because of they knew people from Metafilter together. And, you know, they met at a sort of a meetup. I don't even exactly remember. But Greg explained the whole thing. And, you know, I really wanted it to have a let's talk about the Internet. But let's talk about the Internet as if it's actually real. Because, you know, to all of us, it totally is. Even though I think to other people, it's a little bit of a question mark still. Um, but yeah, it just, it went over really well. They were really happy with it. It was just kind of a one, two, three, like I was happy with it. They were happy with it. And it went over really well with sort of the assembled audience. It wasn't too long. It wasn't blah, 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 blah. And it was the second wedding I'd done that week because there was a, a kid who had just moved to town from Wyoming who wanted to get married, like in a hurry. So he was mm. like, can we just do like this 10 minute ceremony, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh yeah, sure. Totally. He's like, yep. It's just my girlfriend and her dad. I was like, great, no problem. And I wrote kind of a short ceremony and suggested a nice place in town. And then he's like, the the day of the wedding, he's like, uh, everybody's parents came in because they didn't want to miss it. And I was like, what? Like, this is, <laughs> this is a thing with an audience now? Jesus. So I did that on Thursday. And it went fine, too. But it was a lot more sort of didn't know the people too well, a little bit more generic, whatever. But still lovely. And I think the parents were happy. And and then, and then this one, which was like, I knew a lot of people in the audience. I knew Greg and Heather. Like, I met everybody's parents. Jim was there. Uh, so just, it was all around. Good, good, good. So you're a universal life person, or right. you? So, so building on that true story, the last wedding I performed, I went, I went over to the couple's house to what I thought was a planning meeting uh-huh. for the wedding, like to write the ceremony. Yeah. And they served dinner and then said, "Okay, are you ready to do it?" Ah! And they had me married oh on, my, on the spot, which I they didn't know that I didn't know that that's what they were doing. That's a nightmare. That's a I have nightmares like that. They had the couple, you know, their friends from next door came over to witness and they were like, well, do, are you ready? And I was, so I completely from the hip, the little three minute thing at their dinner table. Aww. And uh, we made it official. They had already fi- they'd already worked out the paperwork. So were they friends of yours or just kind of randos that you knew through somehow? They were friends and they, had, you know, they had asked me if, if I could 
do it. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't show up with, you know, for dinner, the the idea of weddings a miles from my mind, but I didn't know (laughs) that it was happening that night. Right, right, right. And yeah, there was a, it was a brief moment where I kind of was looking back and forth between them. And then at the, you know, the couple next door who had come over kind of like looking at me with their arms crossed. And I was like, well, what was, I wonder what their wedding was like. It was probably a lot different than this. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. But uh, we just kind of said a couple words and made it official. And, you know, they just wanted to be done with it for the most part and uh, and be married because they, you know, they loved each other. They wanted to be married. It was about being married more than it was about having a wedding. So, well, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Like I married I've married a lot of I mean, I've married. I think I figured out like point oh one percent of my town. Because there's only 4,500 people right. here, and I've married like nine of them. Too. You said 450,000? Um, no, 4,500. Okay, sorry, that was just a joke, self-deprecating joke there. What? Can you explain it? <laughs> I didn't understand it. I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> right, 450,000, that's actually like two-thirds the size of the state. <laughs> like, Vermont is so teeny. It's so teeny. But like there was this one couple like they'd lived together for like eight or nine years. I don't know why they decided now was the time to get married, but they literally were like just paperwork. And I was like, great. So I came over and I was like, "Okay, you guys want to get married? And they're like, yep. And I'm like, you, yep, you, yep. All right. And they're like, what? I was like, you said just paperwork. So you're married. (laughs) And they were like, yes, like they were super into it. Like nobody stood up. They didn't have to hold hands. They got to be in their kitchen, which they loved. <laughs> they sent me home with some blueberries. I was like, woohoo. That's how kind of how I lead into the conversation I have with each couple about what they want from their wedding ceremony. And I say it can be as much as you want or as little as you want. The bare minimum is there has to be and this. I, I don't know that this varies by state. I think this is pretty universal, but um, there has to be two witnesses. The two not, of you. Not in Vermont. Me. You don't need any witnesses. Really? Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, so in Oregon, two witnesses, the t- couple and me, you have to each in some way, ass- you know, assent to the marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's literally all it has to be. You know, no, no, none of the all of the rest is tradition and optional and whatever you want right. it to be. So so people it's it's good because people want it to be right you know they want it to be legal and official but also kind of right in their mind yeah and um yeah. it's good to just let them know like here's here's your starting point it can really be 30 seconds long if you wanted or it can be you know many many hours long if that were what you wanted <laughs> well and what i've been really surprised at and i don't know if this is true for you the people who said they wanted something really simple and then they don't want something really simple. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't care. Like, I, the weddings are about other people, not about me. But I'm always like, you know what simple is? Like, simple is literally 11 words. Right. So, so anything more than that is gradually less simple. You know, so people will be like, well, we've got two rings and we're writing our own vows. And I'm like, great, great. Everything's perfect. But, but it's not simple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... I feel like at a wedding wedding, like where there's an event, like a ceremony, like all my job is, is to make people feel like at the end of the day, they're going to be married and it's going to be right no matter what. And everything they're doing is the right thing to be doing, you know, because people are so nervous and they just want everything to be great. And there's a lot of other stuff I can't have anything to do with. Like, I don't know if the food's going to be good or I don't know if (laughs) grandma's going to be weird, but like the wedding, it's going to go off without a hitch. 
don't even worry about it. <laughs> and the cool thing is that, I mean, the hard work has been done by the time you're up there. And especially for Absolutely. the couple. You, I mean, this is something I've always had to tell the couple because there's always at least one of them who is getting, you know, real anxious about like, sure. what if I blow it? And and I just tell them there's nothing to blow. You've done all the hard work already to get here. And it's just uh, all, the, all there is is just seeing it, writing it out at this point. Um, right. Because the hard work really, really is behind them. I mean, in terms of the relationship and in terms of the wedding planning, frankly. Um, right. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, you know, I have a similar experience. There's, there, no one has ever said I want a nice long wedding. I mean, there, there's two things every <laughs> single couple has said to me. And the first one is always I want it to be short because everyone's worst wedding they've ever attended story is it was two hours long. Like no, I went to a Catholic wedding yeah, in exactly. a church and there was like standing up and sitting down and then everybody took communion, but I'm not allowed to take communion because I'm nominally Jewish. So I had to sit there in the back of the pews while everyone else got up right. <laughs> and I sat in the back of the church because they were like, well, you can get up and you can just like cross your arms in front of you, you know. Like, if you right. want to fake taking communion because you feel bad sitting in the back of the church by yourself. I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to sit in the back of the church by myself. Jew. Hello. Hello. <laughs> but it was way too long. I mean, it was lovely. And it was the wedding I think my friends wanted. Right. But from a from a non-religious perspective, it was excruciating. Like, just super duper long. And my boyfriend at the time, his family was part Catholic. So, he knew the drill. Like, now you stand up, now you sit mm. down, now you do this, now you do this other thing. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. What is going on? Why am I here? Like, you like this? And he was like, whatever. Like, I mean, in his mind, he's like, you don't like it or not like it. It's just right. how you do it. Right. And I'm sure there's things in my life where that's exactly how I am. But this was not one of them. And that <laughs> wedding was really long. And so I don't want that to be what other people have to deal with. So I try to keep my remarks to a minimum. Uh, right when possible yeah no one's horror story is the wedding was so short it was so just awful meaning <laughs> meaningless and empty yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone's complaint like horror story is it was how long it was but that's funny because the what you mentioned that's the other i mean that's one of the two things that every single couple has said to me is short and let's leave god out of it please all of them all well, every and one that's, of them and that's my whole deal i'm like i'm a divorcee atheist so I can't, you know, I can't talk much about the sanctity of marriage and I can't really talk about a gentleman I don't have a personal relationship with, which would be God and or sure. Jesus. So, but if that's okay, and that appears to be, I mean, I, I think for me too, that's who looks for a justice of the peace, right? Because mm. that's my background. Right, right. You asked if I was a Universal Life Church, which I am. My dad was a Universal Life Church ordained minister. And he, really? Yeah, he had done 20 or 30 weddings, um, 20, something 27 weddings uh, when I was first asked to do a wedding by a friend who had no idea that my dad had like a deep, deep background and was well known in Ukiah, California. As That's a, so neat. For that role. And but when he, you know, for me, it was like, you know, three clicks and my credit card number on a website for him. He like was literally like cut out a coupon from a magazine and mailed it in with a I check remember to become a universal to be able church. to do that. Yeah. Minister. <sighs> and so I, I kind of borrowed and adopted his format for mine. And it's funny. I mean, the universal life church thing is is weird because you, I mean, you look at it and 
you know it they, you feel like they're sort of getting away with something <laughs> well they're totally getting away with something but right? at the same yeah or- right absolutely i mean the, the first wedding i performed um you know the 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 bride's brother bless him wonderful wonderful guy he comes up to me and he says um hey that was a really really cool thing i really had a lot of fun uh you know me and you know carolyn's sister are getting married soon we want to have like a real wedding but this is really cool too right (laughs) so and you're like you know this they're all the same (laughs) realness right But the guy, you know, he comes from a Catholic background, so it's that's you know he 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 was in he was being cool, right? He was being tolerant in that moment. Yeah. So sure, what I'll take it. I'll you know. I'll well, take and in it. the I'm eyes of Catholicism, that actually isn't a wedding. You know, you're not right. married before God, which is partly not married. Right. Um, but that's the crazy thing, right? I mean, that's the crazy thing about uh, America. Uh, yeah, America, right? I mean, it's <laughs> y- you. There is supposedly this church-state separation, and there's this one thing that we all seem to completely abide, uh, which is that you have to be, unless you're Justice of the Peace, which I'm actually kind of curious about where historically that comes into the fray, but you have to be a, a ordained clergyman to create well, this or, legal contract. Or a judge, or like there are other people who can who can do it. Sure. Town clerks can do it, sure. I believe. Captain at sea can do it. You saw that episode of Gilligan's Island? (laughs) I make these like Gilligan's Island jokes, right? Because I'm like, oh, yeah, like that time when the Howells found out they weren't married. And people are like, what? And I'm like, you are children. Children. It's Gilligan's Island is one of those things that I like. I understand is via references of references. (laughs) Like I can think I could probably think of a Simpsons episode that was a riff off of a Gilligan's Island episode. But like I grew up watching it. And so like there's a married couple on the island and then they find out somehow through their radio that they're not actually married. And this is a problem. So the, the captain, because he's the captain can marry them and but they have to be on water so they make this little boat and then they're like oh if we can make a boat what the fuck are we doing on this goddamn island (laughs) i don't remember how it ended but they got remarried i think but yeah like there's certain people who can do it i mean the thing that's so interesting to me is that a religious wedding is a state wedding you know what i mean like if your church marries you then the state says you're married but if the state marries you the church does not and it doesn't I guess it doesn't really matter if the church thinks you're married unless it's your church. But I mean, that's part of the whole gay marriage ridiculous fight is the churches are like, but that makes us feel weird. And the state's (laughs) like, who gives a shit what you think? Like, don't perform them if that's your problem. But the state says, or it has been saying lately, you know, otherwise more. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, my my anecdote is uh, when I was married before. Uh, I got married at a drive-up window in Las Vegas, and it was like 60 bucks, and it was to a guy I didn't really know that well, just like for fun, hmm. you know, because I was a kid, and I was like, haha, this would be funny. And you know what? It absolutely was funny to like <laughs> make his parents and my parents related to each other. I mean, I wasn't like getting on that awesome with my parents at the time, so sure. I, was like, I was like, here's my new husband. He's my new family now. And they were like, who is this guy? And I was like, oh, I used to work with him in Seattle. He's nice. And we wound up also being in a relationship after that point. Hmm. But like, you know, my first kiss with this guy at our wedding. Well. No sex before marriage. Nope. <laughs> and, you know, and we eventually got divorced because he met a person he wanted to have kind of a real wedding, a real right. relationship with. And that was fine with me. But like, it was kind of a sick joke how 
bullshitty our wedding was, but we got all those rights and benefits because we were straight people. And it, right. it's horrible. You know, it's it was just it was reprehensible that, you know, gay people or any partnership, who, people who have been in love forever couldn't get that same thing because the state is uptight and weird and allows the church to pressure them unpleasant right because god smiles on the one and not the other or whatever god i don't even know i don't talk to him very much so it's <laughs> it's all mysterious to me but like that was kind of part of my statement such as it was at the time sure that i was like this is bullshitty we don't live together we just get to be married you know i don't know what face cream he uses we just get to be married <laughs> like you know like we just get to be because we're kind of like straight white people who no one's putting a magnifying glass on like, we're supposed to file jointly? We don't. Because we're, like, married. Don't have to. Who hmm. cares? Hmm. Nobody cares. Like it, It's weird how much, like, it does and doesn't matter at the same time. Um, You know, but being Justice of the Peace, like, I'm an elected official. And I get to marry people because I won an election, which is also kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, a state-by-state thing. Like, do you know, if does Oregon have Justices of the Peace? I actually don't. No, I, I I have friends in California who are married by a judge, but I don't know anyone in Oregon who wasn't married by me or someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, like some states, justices of the peace are actually kind of like little judges, uh-huh. like they do kind of like little judge work, traffic court kind of stuff. Hmm. And then in some states, like Vermont. You know, you can do weddings, you count votes during elections. Like, I counted my own votes. How is that legal? <laughs> and uh, and I also sit on the board of civil authority, which means if you've got a problem with your, um, the, your property taxes and you want to appeal, I'm part of the board that you appeal to. Okay. So, it's like a little job. I mean, not like it pays or anything, but like, you know, it's a little, it has little tasks associated with it. <laughs> but I don't think every state has one. Like, has that, that office. I think it's kind of a New england thing that other states, some of them have. Texas has them, for sure. Huh. Do you think it's a carryover, do you think? Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a British thing. And, and it's weird, because, you know, when I first became a Justice of the Peace, or when I was running for election, I started a little Tumblr blog, which is where I put all the wedding ceremonies now, where I was, like, researching, what is a Justice of Peace, and what are they for, and which states have them, and how do I find one, and blah, 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 blah. And I probably forgot all of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? trivia was, like, in one ear and out the other. I was the expert on Justices of the Peace for a couple months there, and then I, I don't know, something else happened. Ooh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I'm that way anymore about anything. I'd Like, I have to know, I can't just know enough, I have to know everything, to sound smart enough for as long as I need to. And then it just all dribbles out my ear. So what I, I mean, not not knowing that much about the role going into it, what called what called you to it? I actually I mean, sorry Nothing. if you've already covered a lot of this stuff. I but. was not called to it. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> I ran by accident, basically. So, you know, I'm in this small town and there was there's it's run by a uh, we have a a. a He's a town manager. So we have a town manager, kind of like a mayor, and then a select board. And the select board are five people. They're voted in by the town, and they govern the town in between town meeting. This Um, is town manager and select board. This is 100% I'm positive this is the first time I've ever heard these terms in my life. (laughs) I mean, is your town like 11 people? Because you've never been on this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, maybe that's it. That, That must be it. 
Because in, in northern New England, like, all the towns govern themselves through, like, town meeting. Like, once a year, the whole town gets together huh. and discusses things and votes on the school budget and a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, people that the, the food bank says, we'd like to continue to, you know, get the money that you send us to help feed the other the hungry people in town. And people are like, yes or no, or tell us why you should get that money. And we all sit around in the auditorium at the music hall and talk about it. But so there's lots of other little jobs, you know, dog catcher, library trustee, that kind of thing. And we had a town manager who was kind of a jerk and some select board members who I didn't see eye to eye with politically like they were and and like you don't agree with everybody politically, but there's kind of like a lot of people just agree to tolerate differences of opinion as long as people aren't being jerks to other people. Hmm. You know, like there's a lot of like liberal, conservative, different kinds of people, rich, poor, blah. People try to get along. Um, and, and then there was just some people on the select board who didn't try to get along and were jerks. Hmm. So I was part of like a group of people who wound up turned out to be Democrats. Like, I'm not really a Democrat. I'm more of sort of a progressive anarchist or something. But I was meeting with the Democrats because we were like, okay, we have to make sure that other better people get elected to the select board. So that was like, so we went to meetings at little Right, it's kind of an enemy of my enemy thing. Yeah, and, and they were fine. Really nice people, and I generally agree with them. But then they always have to run a slate of people for the justice of the peace position. Like everybody wants everybody to be politically active, right? Because it's a small town and it's like, everybody's got to take turns running it kind of. <laughs> um, and so they, you know, the each party, the Democrats and the Republicans each have to run nine people for justice of the peace. And then 12 get elected out of that 18. And so they were like, you want to run for justice of peace? I'm like, I don't know. What's it involved? And they're like, nothing. You can marry people. You count votes and whatever. I was like, yeah, great. Sign me up. Totally forgot about it. <laughs> and then somebody told me who got their absentee ballot that my name was on the ballot. And I was like, oh, shit, I totally forgot. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I did like a two day Facebook campaign. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm uh, running so you could uh, uh, vote for me. And wound up getting elected partly just through name recognition because I'm active on Facebook and people know me around town. Mm -hmm. I, I got the lowest votes of anybody who got elected. <laughs> like the person with the less next lowest votes did not get elected. <laughs> um, and then when a re-election came along, I, you know, ran again. I mean, I think I probably got like 700 votes, 800 votes. Like it's teeny numbers like that. <laughs> And my name starts, my last name starts with W. So I was the last name on the ballot, too. Oh, and in Oregon, they make a big kerfuffle about how it's, they randomize the order, not well, alphabetical. Well, they fucking should. It's embarrassing <laughs> yeah. that we don't. Of course, Says Oregon, Jessamine and you West also vote her... by mail all the time, which is, I think, way, way. Uh, uh, we can vote by mail. Equalizes the playing field. Yeah, but this is the only way. Oh, you never go to the polls. No you just get a ballot. Yeah. And uh, it's actually really, really good for turnout. It probably saves a ton of money, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as much as I love giving everybody the high five when I work the polls. <laughs> right. You have to make your own I voted sticker, I guess, is the only downside. Yeah. You check in on Foursquare and say you voted or, or whatever the heck. You know, if, you're, if your story was a sitcom plot, the only thing you would have to change is that you would have to decide once you saw your name on the ballot that you didn't want the role and you had to start an aggressive negative campaign. A smear campaign against myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you 
know, I don't mean to be flip about it because there were people who ran sure. and actually ran and didn't get elected. And so, you know, this smug paid in the ass. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anybody really wants the job. I think people just view it as, as service. You know, it's community service. It's it's a thing you do because you care about the town. kind sure. of. And each town, this is in every town. So like our town gets 12. The next town, which is smaller, gets, I think, nine. So there's a lot of justices of the peace for each for each town to yeah. help the town do its little, you know, do its little tax business, do its little vote counting business. That's a lot per capita. I, I think so. Yeah. Tw- 12 out of 4,500. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. What governmental roles are, are we that represented in otherwise meter maids, I guess it probably is one. We don't have parking meters. Bless your heart. <laughs> I wonder where the nearest parking meter is to where I live. <laughs> I think it's maybe they have them in Northfield, so maybe 15 miles away from me. <laughs> I was going to say you could somehow do some Google Map overlay, but then Google Maps has you in the middle of a pond or something, don't they? They fix that. Oh, good. But then I've got some neighbor who's got like another problem with Google, and she's like, how did you fix it? And I'm like, uh, you'd never believe it if I told you. <laughs> Is mount a aggressive viral internet campaign with a catchy theme song. Right. Get your friend who works for Time magazine to, to write about it and then post a song about it and maybe they'll fix it. Um, I am going to hit stop for just a second and get a glass of water. Do you want to keep going a little longer? Sure. Cool. I don't even know what time it is. Like I said, this couch, it's the most comfortable couch in the world. I sent you a picture of it. <laughs> I'll send you another picture this... while you're getting your water. Okay, please do. My town's in the lake. Hey Google, there's been a mistake. This is really surprising. The water's not rising. Dear Google, please give us a break. Hey Google, my town's in the drink. Last summer, it wasn't, I think. My friends are confused and one even accused me of causing poor Randolph to sink. But no, yeah, it's, I, it, it is kind of one of my pie in the sky ideas that I can become kind of a technical enabler for people who want to do audio recording stuff because I've, it's very recent that I've had to teach myself all this stuff. And so it's kind of fresh uh-huh. in my mind in a way that it kind of helps me, but maybe might help me teach people or do it for them or kind of like get them get get the ball underway because i think there is a real well and if you're enthusiastic about it that's that's 90 percent of it i feel like i mean 90 percent of doing something that's not got to be super pro you know what i mean like hobby level stuff yeah absolutely i don't i don't mean to insult sound engineers by being like well all you gotta do is try (laughs) that's what i say when i'm watching sports i'm like god these guys i mean i could do this if i was that stoked on basketball i guess I was six foot eight (laughs) and six foot eight wouldn't hurt either. And in, you know, good shape physically. Um, You know, that's what I listen to when I go on these long drives is like sports radio, hmm. Uh, unless they have the callers. I don't listen to callers. They drive me crazy. But like listening to other people talk about athletes because it's so abstract for me. Like everybody's talking about LeBron James and Cleveland's in the playoffs or whatever. And do you think he really drives that Kia? And it's like somebody <laughs> else's soap opera, you know, where you came in in the middle and you're trying to figure out like, who's that guy and why are they mad at each other and what's going on? It's oddly more calming 
than classic radio. <laughs> I've heard people describe sports as kind of like a soap opera for men, like a season of sports is kind of this big story arc about who's coming out on top and all these like secondary stories and narratives and meta narratives. And I think that's exactly what it is. And then you shake all the dice at the end of the season and you play again next season. Yeah, I, I could I could see that as as kind of a a way of kind of cracking the appeal for someone who doesn't who looks at the sport and just says, like, I don't understand why this is so like abstract and meaningless and has no bearing on anything. <laughs> what what is the appeal here? Right. Well, that that's kind of a good shortcut to kind of getting the understanding the investment people have in it. Well, Temple Grandin, who's the lady who does the Thinking in Pictures book, she's the uh, she's got Asperger's and she's like an animal researcher scientist person, does kind of an interesting riff on like what motivates animals, what motivates people. And she talks about one of the, you know, people when you ask like, well, what do you do? How, how do you motivate people? And people are like money, food, sex. Like, that's it. Mm. That's that's the thing. And And she's like, well, the thing that actually will motivate, like if you, you know, poke around in mouse's rats brains and stuff like that the thing that's actually this most the strongest motivator isn't like the 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 sex receptor the food receptor the i mean there is no money receptor in rats probably but it's it's what they call the seeking mechanism the Mm. what's going to happen next mechanism you know Mm. so a lot of what what people want isn't like oh here's my dinner but it's like oh i wonder what dinner is going to be like like it's almost more tantalizing to think about having dinner than it is to eat Hmm. in in a weird way and so i think that like i've always thought that's one of the reasons people are stuck on metafilter like not stuck on meaning like stuck in but like like are interested in it and and come back all the time is they want to know how how's that ask metafilter question going to work out i wonder if somebody what somebody's going to say about my post i wonder what somebody's going to say about my comment about somebody else's post like that what happens next what happens next what happens next hmm. and on metafilter there's always a happens next like everything's got a next to it you know there's always a new thing a new discussion a new thing and I think that's true for soap operas. I think it's true for serialized TV. I think it's definitely true for like, you know, comics, graphic novels, that kind of stuff. Anything that has something coming next is really powerfully motivating because people wonder and, and their wonder their wonder gets them kind of jazzed and interested in it. And sports seen through that lens, it makes total sense, right? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And it only kind of matters, right? Like unless it's your kid. You know, mm-hmm. people feel affinity for their own teams, but unless you're betting on it, it's not going to materially change your life who wins, really. Sort of. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just being cavalier about it, but that mm-hmm. kind of like, I wonder who wins. Almost anybody can at least understand that feeling, even if they don't feel that way about sports. I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Be- because it's one of those primal motivators for people. Yeah, and and I think that I, I think that when when that system is kind of broken, like people I've known who have gone through you know uh, depressions and and difficult times in their lives, it oh, wasn't gosh, so much yeah. that they were incapable of enjoying you know or like understanding that they had what they needed and they could you know appreciate a good meal, but they just didn't. They just it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow or the rest of my life. It was there was just a, right. a, a broken affinity for you know non affinity for the what's what's next what's around the corner type of thing right a detachment from that desire motivator yeah which is hard right like the absence of that i mean i've definitely had times where i mean i don't have sort of super difficult depression but i've definitely had times where i like look in the mirror and i'm like 
I don't know what I want. And like, I've got a mantra now, which is like, you know, Jessamine, for you, if you don't know what you want, you probably need to go to bed. <laughs> like, if I don't know what I want, it's probably because I'm overtired. Like, I don't mean to simplify it for other people because my problems are not other people's problems, you know? But like, if I get to that point and I hit that wall, there's a really short list of things knowing myself that are going to help me solve that problem. And I, I just can't imagine the abyss where I didn't have, didn't have that ability. Like it would be super, it would be hard, really hard. Like I've, I've had friends and family who grapple with it. And that is the challenge. Like the only thing you have is like misery about the future or whatever, and not kind of like, Oh, you know, I hope dinner's good or whatever the thing is like that kind of spark of hope that, you're going to enjoy a thing later. I think it's, I think it's super difficult. Right. Right. <laughs> we could end on an up note. Maybe Yeah, maybe we <laughs> that <could>. isn't it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one, one thing I've kind of been circling around a little bit is that uh, um, in terms of, you know, my, my mom's relationship to this scammer situation. And I, you know, I've had, I have friends whose uh -huh. parents and grandparents have been taken for just awful amounts of money by various right, right, right. because you know they just don't didn't have the sophistication or context for what they were being presented with and it's you know invariably sure. is older older folks or at least you know in in, in the, the people i'm talking about who i've who i know firsthand yeah um and in you know like kind of my goals of trying to get people a voice on the you know quote unquote radio that podcasting kind of represents a new, a new medium and a new, uh, venue people, you know, there's a technological barrier for them there too. And I think that it's sort of, I, I sort of gradually over time start to realize like, this is sort of what I'm doing here. Not to put, you know, grandiose, like giant or, or religious overtones on it. I'm saving the world from scammers. And, and I know this is such a huge, huge, huge part of your day-to-day -day life too, unless I'm totally crazy. Sure. Um, no, you may be, but that not because of that. <laughs> right. the, the, the one doesn't rule out the other necessarily. But, right. But there's so much, there is so much work to be done in that area. There's almost just not enough time and people to do it, to like help someone for whom, you know, continuing to receive benefits, uh, rely, you know, they, their ability to interact with a website that is very foreign to them is what, you know, it's a prerequisite for receiving, continuing to receive benefits that continue their life as they understand it and things like that. And it's hilarious because between when you and I decided to do this and when, you know, we started this call, I got an email from, you know, a medium weekly digest and it was uh, a post. It said I wrote a thing. Yeah. <laughs> About how, how incredibly important access to, um, you know, healthcare website in Vermont is, is, the basic non-functionality of the site has such a real and, and incredibly strong impact on these people's lives um, that it starts to, yeah, it, it, I mean, these aren't your words, but it starts to become in my mind, a moral issue. Well, that's my argument, right? Like the New York times finally came out. Finally, I'd say finally, like I've been waiting for it, but like somebody besides me and a bunch of crabby Vermonters finally kind of highlighted the fact that, the, the Vermont's local exchange website, which has cost almost $200 million, uh, and it's not very good, and it's not even finished, ultimately, um, is actually turning off people from 
interacting with healthcare services because it's so hard to use and deal with. And this is just paying your premiums. This isn't even like dealing with bills, dealing with doctors. This has nothing to do with your actual healthcare. It's just paying for and dealing with healthcare. And so I wrote a an article about my experiences because it's it's the article I'd been really wanting to write for a long time. But and the, and the New York Times sort of put a really fine point on it, which is that, you know, broke ass Vermonters for whom, you know, Obamacare is supposed to really solve a problem for them um, because it gives them access to affordable health care actually are turning away from the site because the site is so hard to use and so non-functional that it's actually creating more problems in their life than it solves. Like in Vermont, before we had the Affordable Care Act, we actually had state subsidized health care that was, I don't know if it had a website or not, but it was it was affordable, it was reasonable, it was sliding scale. And so if you were broke, you could actually get access to health care if you would go through and fill out the forms um, and, and deal with the people. And like any healthcare system, it was challenging, but it wasn't this kind of broken horribleness that is the exchange. And, you know, I had been complaining about it since it went live, basically, because I left Metafilter at about the same time the exchange, I mean, probably six months after the exchange came up, I think. Um, and I had to pay for my own health care, which was fine. But, you know, I, I work with computers for a living and like looking at this terrible website and tracking it over time. Like one of the reasons my article has so many screenshots is I was taking screenshots as I was using it. Like, can you fucking believe this? This is awful. Like, oh, my God, they think this is a website. And the New York Times article gave me the hook where I could write about it without just feeling like I was bitching about an ugly website. You know what I mean? And where I yeah. could hook it into hey, this is actually a problem for trying to help people with technology. And you're right. It totally ties into what you were saying, too, about, you know, the people who get scammed. Like, they're not scammed because they're stupid. They're scammed because they don't understand how the system of technology, you know, web pages interact with email, interact with phone calls, interact with, you know, bill paying and stuff like that. And so it's really easy to kind of sell them a bill of goods because people are very trusting of other people explaining technology to them because they don't have the ability to answer all these questions on their own. And that's horrible for them. And there's no system in place in America to help them outside of sort of public education, which only sort of does it and only works for children. And so older generations have a really hard time and rely on like good natured, good friend people like me and you and, you know, anybody who ever helps their mom or grandma or uncle use a computer to help straighten these things out, which is, you know, not an awesome state to be in. And the more and more government requires, I mean, this is my soapbox if you can't tell, but like the more government requires people to interact with technology, actually the worse it's going to get. You know, you get a call from somebody being like, I'm from the government. Your healthcare is going to expire unless you log into this all new website. Like, why wouldn't you believe that? Because the website they have been interacting with is so fucked that it would not be a stretch to have somebody call you and tell you you have to log into a whole new website. And that's really the problem as I see it is we're setting people up to not understand technology and that's making them ripe for scams in addition to just basically not being able to solve their own problems or falling victim to other people's scams. 
I don't know if that's a more up note. <laughs> <laughs> well, the filters that you that you that you have in place as someone who has learned all these things and learned to recognize a you know well this is a this is a pop up that's an actual error from your computer that's saying there's a problem you need to deal with versus right. this is a browser window popping up something that looks for all intents and purposes identical to the thing i just said except right. that it's not real and there are uh, all these little cues that someone savvy can pick up on well the close box is like a windows xp close button but good luck explaining that to someone who's like 75 years old or you know the or contextually well you know your computer doesn't actually running out of gigahertz that doesn't make any sense but <laughs> it would take me two weeks to explain why that doesn't make sense and that's right. not that useful to you right i mean it's 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 we are stuck in a little bit in a jam it feels like i honestly feel like that it that one of the, one of the dispiriting parts of it is that it seems like there's people for whom they will always need a kind of a, a a crutch a kind of a technological crutch i'm not sure that's not true and we don't have the infrastructure i mean the public libraries wind up being that infrastructure right. but they don't receive the funding or the attention to actually do that job in a thorough and effective way. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, it, it on its own is an entire argument about what, you know, well, why do we even need libraries anymore? And, and, <laughs> and me and all my super savvy 20-something friends can get all the information and books we need on the internet, so why do or libraries even the rest exist? Of them. I'm right. going to vote against their, you know, re renewed funding and stuff. Whereas, I mean, one of what I'm sure you, can, you could tell me many, many more, but one really obvious one is that it's, a, you know, some people need a physical place and a physical person to help them interact with these systems absolutely um, that others just as, uh, can assume are you know universal and intuitive because that's how they were raised and you know kind of understand them in ways that only someone who learned something before they were 18 really can <laughs> right well and there's no other free place that you can get help flat out mm -hmm. and although i don't think i learned this stuff before i was 18 i'm trying to think what i had when i was 18 for a computer uh I may not have had one. I may have gotten, I got it. I went off to college with an IBM PC junior hmm. and homeward. And like <laughs> people did not have computers in my entering class too much, but like my dad was a technologist. So I had, you know, sort of a right. computer, but, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I take your point in general that like, you know, we need support systems to help people with this. Like if you can't read, you can find a free, service that will help you learn to read what you won't find is a free service that will just read all your stuff to you you know what i mean but you can get a tutor yeah. and you can have someone help you but we don't have that kind of scaffolding for that kind of technology education outside of public schooling so once you're out of the public schooling age except for some voc rehab stuff you know there really there really isn't a lot going on so, yeah, the library, super important. Yes. Keep your grandma from getting scammed. Keep your mom from getting scammed. Keep you from getting scammed. Do you think that this is a this is a sort of a one time thing? I mean, we're straddling such an enormous technological divide right now in in generationally sure. 
And, you know, I've had friends come to me and say, like, well, I'm sure when I'm, you know, 65, my kids are going to be trying to explain something like this to me and it won't make any sense to me. And I'm sure to some extent that's true. Right. And the March of Progress and, you know, that's we we inherit so much context from our lifetimes that we the the more it shifts, the more obtuse and difficult to grasp it's going to be in the future. But I don't know that any generation is going to have it as hard as people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s right now habit because no, I mean, it's so radical the difference is so radical in how everything is is done uh in, in right. commerce in social programs in i mean almost any realm and they they have to start from scratch well and that the feeling i get to is is they have to learn it's not just that they have to learn how to point click type whatever but there's a level of abstraction that I think you have to be able to get your head around when you understand technology. The the metaphor of, like, you don't even necessarily have to understand files and folders and that kind of stuff. But but the way that you interact with things on a screen that manipulates, you know, deep level computing on the back end, I believe to understand these systems, you have to at least kind of know that you're engaging in metaphor. You know what I mean? Mm. In order to be able to learn one app and have any of the skills that you learn be transferable to another app. You know, like I can learn almost any app because I know how apps work in general. You know what I mean? But part of that is just understanding abstractions about, you know, what a computer can do and also understanding kind of what a computer can't do. You know, like I understand enough about apps that I know if I, you know, log into my bank app, it doesn't talk to my other apps you know it's it can't because of how apple was developed unless there's hacking and fuckery that happens (laughs) but that's a thing that i understand about the system in which the technology exists not even about the technology specifically and so i think for a lot of people the technological landscape and the metaphors of how these things interact on the back end i mean one of the things that i find with novice users is it's not so much that they can't learn the stuff it's that they have a lot of concerns about what they don't know because they believe, you know, buying something online makes them more likely to have their credit card stolen. And I'm not so sure that's actually true. You know what I mean? Like, I think you might be safer buying something from Amazon than you are buying it from Target, for example. You know, because Target had that huge data breach yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Right. But it feels it feels less safe because Amazon is on the internet and people don't understand what that means. Whereas in Target, they can understand how, you know, you give your credit card, Target stores it in a computer and then computers are fucked. So that got stolen, you know, <laughs> right. but, but, but they understand that. Whereas Amazon, it just seems like you're typing your computer onto the internet. You're just typing your credit card number onto the internet and then who knows what the hell's happening? Right. I mean, it's like you walk into a Target. There's there's so much contextual stuff going on that that like you walk into a Target. I mean, the chance that you're afraid that you're in a fake store that just has all the signs that a Target <laughs> would have and is just pretending right, you know to you're be in Target, a real store. but is really like you're actually in a store in Russia somewhere. The chances that that's like a fear present in your mind is, is zero. That's a really good point. <laughs> 
Right. So at least you've got that going for you. And when you hand over your credit card to someone, you're watching it go into their hand. You're watching it slide through the reader and you're watching it come back into your hand. Whereas when you type it into a computer, you know it's somehow flying through wires and servers, but you just don't have any tactile like an analogy. And you're pretty sure there's a toaster in that box. Right. <laughs> like you carry the box with the toaster up to the counter and you're pretty sure when you open the box, there's a toaster in it. Right. Right. And, and it's, you know, there, there are systems in place to keep people safe and to, to provide reassurances for someone who's worried about putting their credit card into a website, but they're so esoteric. And like you're saying, they're so, they're based on like layers of metaphor more than anything. They're not. Well, actual- and it's an arms race, too, yeah. because every time somebody puts a like authorized by Verisign, somebody else comes out with a authorized by Saravine. And people are like, <laughs> is that the same thing? I'm not. Should I look for the check mark? Is that a fake check mark? It's like Dolphin Safe Tuna. Who even knows what that means? <laughs> like, like maybe, like I could look it up, but like maybe there's an authorizing body that says this is safe for tuna. This dolphins but maybe this is just greenwashing and it wants me to think it's safe for dolphins but they kill dolphins the same as everyone else but i you know i take that like my uncertainty about tuna fish and then magnify it a million times and that's like other people trying to figure out like a lot of my neighbors you know they just won't buy stuff online and they think they're being savvy consumers which i get i mean they are in in one way of looking at it but they're also paying more for toner ink for example because you know, cheaper toners online, basically. Right. Try going to Staples and buying toner. It's a nightmare. My landlady went to Staples. I wrote down the name of her printer on a piece of paper, and she came home with a toner cartridge for, like, a different brand <laughs> printer. And, like, I had to Google. She's 89. Right. And I had to Google the printer just to make sure you couldn't put Canon ink in a brother printer. Sure. But sure enough, you can't. And I had to ask her, like, what happened? And she just wasn't sure. You know, like she could not explain the steps that wound up. I mean, she talked to a person. It wasn't like she tried to do it, but somehow she came home with, she's like, printer ink is really expensive. I'm like, yeah, kind of. She's like, 200 bucks. I'm like, it's not expensive (laughs) like that. What did you buy? And it was, and and the, the, the message she walks away with is technology is hard, not somebody at Target or Staples is an idiot, which is probably what happened. Right. Although, I, you know, I just don't know. I could not assemble it after the fact to figure out what the hell happened. Just mysterious. Right. And when so much of this is just a black box, it's like, it, I mean, how could I blame someone for just their security system is I don't type my credit card into a keyboard. Pop the fuck out. Right. I just don't type it into a computer. And it's like, that's right. That's probably the only advice that's going to work 100% of the time. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, abstinence is the only, you know, the only thing you can recommend (laughs) to someone to never get an STD is never have sex. But you kind of have to figure out, you know, solutions that that go beyond that. Well, and that's actually a very funny example, because unlike, say, pregnancy that has like severe consequences, like abstinence, like you're like, maybe I'll risk an STD. How bad can it be? You know? I mean, certainly not all of them, but like at this point in the world, like the STDs you're likely to come down with are actually able to be fixed by medicine, you know? So it becomes this thing where you're like, well, maybe. I mean, I do feel sometimes when I'm typing my credit card into random websites, 
Like, maybe this isn't the smartest idea, (laughs) but I also feel like I can assess the risks of that. And so I'm comfortable and confident with my decision, even if it might be a dumb decision or it might turn out to not go my way. I feel like I made an educated decision. You know, same with my STD risks. Like, I do understand the risks. I'm just deciding to ignore them. (laughs) Right. Right. And and I think that probably as much as, you know, nightly news recaps in the 80s and 90s had so much to do with, you know, the the lurking menace of STDs. I mean, Fox News right. is just telling you about the the hackers who are stealing all your credit card information and records. And well, everything. that's the thing that I can barely do is watch television about <laughs> computers. You know, because every like when the IRS, like there was that IRS breach last week or two weeks ago, and I'm like reading all these articles, like what the fuck actually happened? Right. And they're all kind of vague and you can't tell if they're vague because they're trying to be helpful, you know, or if they're or if they're vague because they're actually like you can't tell if they're vague because what they're trying to do is um, protect the actual details which they know or if they're being vague because they have they have no details they don't know they don't know what the hell right or they have them but the person who's good at writing copy is not the same person who knows what the fuck these technical specifics mean right so it's like this complicated version of like a telephone game right where i'm like tell them they took all the ip addresses and not the social security (laughs) numbers they took ips and social security numbers they took all your numbers they got everything like, you know, that the message gets convoluted as it goes through more filters of people who don't totally understand. I, so so do you I mean, do you think that this is kind of a unique time in history that we have seen such like rapid culture shift in how all these institutions are run and interacted with by the public that that yeah, it, it, it mean, doesn't yes like the next no. generation and the next generation, and the next generation won't have this hard of a time as as this generation currently is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's only like I think when you look at people who can't really use computers, I don't think it's just like an age thing and that every 30 year old knows how to use computers. But I do think that people's ability to use or not use computers is not going to be because of the lack of exposure. Like even kids out here who live at home without broadband have computers in school. So they've at least used them. They don't know a ton about them. Maybe uh, they, they don't do all their homework on them. You know, there's definitely a divide between like kids with smartphones, kids with dumb phones, kids with no phones, like of, of kind of, because part of the thing is the kids with smartphones are not only using them to communicate a lot, but they're using them to communicate with the other kids with smartphones. Right. Not the kids with dumb phones. And those kids aren't communicating with the kids with no phones because they can't communicate at all. And so you're getting these kids who are used to being hyper-connected and then kids who can't or don't and then kids who are just kind of disconnected. So there's still going to be a variant, but there's not going to be the, I never used a computer and I expect to go through the rest of my life without actually having to learn how to use one. You know, like if you're 60, even though you may live 20, 30, 40 more years, we're seeing 60 year olds who are like, I'm just not going to learn. And I'm just kind of looking at them like, how can you really believe that you can do that? Whereas you'll never hear a 20 year old be like, I'm just not going to learn. Like they'll learn, they'll learn grudgingly and they may not learn well. You know, it's like some people never learn to drive particularly well. And it doesn't matter if you learn to drive when you were 16 or you learn to drive when you were 30. Like some people just aren't good drivers. And I think that's (laughs) true for technology. 
in in a very similar way. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of like hand wavy stuff from the people responsible for making these terrible web pages. Like, whoa, web pages are just really hard. And people, you know, like you and I who've worked in technology for a really long time are like, they're actually not. Like, I'm sorry to blow your ride and 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 be like, give some of that $100 million back, but this actually wasn't as hard as your failure to do it makes it look like it is. So I'm hoping the next 10 years are going to see an end of that bullshit like super expensive technology projects that just aren't any good and people do a terrible job at. I'm really hoping we'll see better design become a thing because I think really that's kind of what helps people get interested in using technology is when the design is really nice and they like it. You know, like good Android devices, good iPhones, good weird watches, good, you know, Fitbits, technology that solves problems for people. That's what gets people motivated to use it you know not forcing them to for work and being like here's our crazy legacy bullshit it's still a windows xp machine but fuck it you're going to use it because that's how it is and and i think it's a bummer that we don't spend more energy and effort on design so that people might be interested and get excited about some part of technology and that might get them interested in technology in general you know facebook really helps i think a lot of older generation people get interested in technology because they can interact with, you know, friends, loved ones, people from a long time ago, see pictures of babies and grandbabies. And that appeals to them and solves a problem for them. So they'll deal with some of the other bullshit, you know, but nothing appeals to somebody about having to pay too much money for healthcare. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the, the single sentence in the, in your, uh, medium post that like made me say what the fuck out loud was when asked <laughs> CGI technologies, the company who designed the site explained they were just designing to the specifications they were given. And this is That's just immediately, this is immediately on the tail of a screenshot of a form that's being filled that you have to fill out, except none of the fields are correctly labeled. They're all labeled by the variable names that they're using under the hood and good fucking luck to explaining to a hundredth <laughs> of a 1% of the people who need to use this site, why it looks that way or what, what the ABD header means right Right. abd.reacc.number with a red asterisk next to it indicating you must you know fill this out. right 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 so awful but like it may be true that the people who told i mean there's a 400 page contract i have looked at it but i have not dug into it but it may be possible they were never told to give the website a login button sure and then you're like okay whose fault is that like, I think it's everybody's damn fault, but <laughs> right. it is. I literally blame everybody in the chain for, I mean, right. but that's me, right? And I'm idealistic, so. <laughs> I just want to see a lawsuit, you know, except that the state is broke and a lawsuit would make them broker. But like, you know, I want to see somebody be like, look, I went without healthcare for two months because I couldn't, because the website canceled my health insurance and I got sick and it cost me money. And I think you should pay that money, not me. You know, I'd love to see that. I wish I'd gotten sick when my health insurance was canceled so that I could be a guinea pig. But unfortunately, I stayed healthy. <laughs> Speaking of healthy, I'm losing my voice and I'm going to actually have to go and like go drink some tea. I think this is a good stopping. I was about to I was about to say anyway. So I, I really I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and doing this with me. Can we oh, this please, was fun. Can we please do this again? Let's definitely yeah, yeah. do this again.
if for some reason you ever make it, you and or Whitney out to the East Coast, you should uh, come for a visit. We will absolutely take you up on that. I- Terrific. The best. So yeah, no, I think that's delightful, and I'll, I'll, I can send you this, this, this giant file that you can then cut all the pieces out of the middle of. Yeah, let me. Can I send you a, um, a Google Drive link that you can upload yeah. it to? Because that's that way, it's you don't have to try and finagle a giant emailing a two gigabyte file or whatever. I'm not going to email you shit. I've got an FTP site. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take me for, homie? <laughs>